Welcome to the Greyhound Girl podcast with your host, Dimity Ma. Proudly brought to you by Greyhound Performance Products. You can find them on Facebook or visit their website at greyhoundpp.com.au. We hope that you enjoy this episode and thanks to everyone for your support in promoting our wonderful industry. Let's start with, take me back to the start. How did you get involved in grain racing and more importantly when did you um you know get involved in what you're doing now in um in promoting the sport oh well really from uh when i was school i became a copy boy at the daily telegraph got a cadetship and uh in those days um mike gibson was the greyhound rider oh, yeah. and he was he was uh switched to rugby league uh, at the time i was doing a bit of covering a bit of rugby league, boxing, horse racing. And when Mike um, switched, uh, they appointed me as the greyhound rider. So uh, I started going to the dogs. You know, that was would have been 1962. Um, and then in 68, Pat Farrell, who was the sporting editor of the Daily Mirror, he was convinced greyhound racing was going to become big. And uh, he poached me, if you like, from, uh, from the Telegraph, uh, got me to move across to News Limited uh, in no, uh, 1968. And actually, a couple of years later, of course, Rupert Murdoch bought the Telegraph as well. And, yep. and uh, a lot of my old workmates came up there. So, But I've been sort of keen to promote the sport ever since because I, I just loved it, loved the people in it, just salt of the earth, dinky die. Ollie's great people. Have you ever um have you ever owned any dogs or been a part owner of any dogs yourself? Uh, oh yeah, I trained some. Uh, uh, when I was single, I was uh, living at uh, living at Tempe, and I uh, trained a few greyhounds. Uh, didn't train any city winners. Trained <laughs> um, and, and bred some. I bred a bitch called Soul Baby, who was by Takiri, and she won at Cessnock for me, and oh, um, nice. and, and at Gosford. Uh, Aretha was a kennel name. <laughs> and her raising name was Soul Baby. Um, <laughs> and uh, her, her sister, Roquefort, uh, was, uh, which I bred, I sold to Tony McGay, who was later sideline eye for the continuous call team. Oh, yeah. And, yep. uh, yeah, Roquefort was, a, was better, actually. I, I sold the best one, but he was my mate, so <laughs> that was all right. And she, she won at Wentworth Park. Uh, she was trained by Johnny Munro, who's still with us. Yeah. And uh, I was going to go up to Queensland for the uh, Queensland Cup at Beanley, and uh, I took Roquefort with me, and uh, she won her heat by 10 lengths. She won a semi-final uh, by 10 lengths, but she came on season. I managed to get her across the table for the final, but she wasn't <laughs> right. She wasn't, she wasn't, you know, as well as she was. Uh, I was just hoping she could still win for Tony for the prize money, but uh, Jim Snell won the race, trained by Jack Irwin, the late Jack Irwin, Dave Irwin's father. Yep. No, that's... Um... And, and then I've, I've got photos of the wall here of uh, dogs I've owned. I'm a secret that Johnny uh, Munro trained when he at Harold Park, uh, a dog called Brother Eddie that Dick Riley, the late Dick Riley, trained. I owned Brother Eddie, who won uh, at Wentworth Park and won the uh, Cessnock Derby. Um, and I trained Brother Eddie, uh, I owned Brother Eddie rather, with Kevin Scanlon, the boss of Debortley Wines, and John Hardigan, who was the managing director of News Corp. 
uh, Rupert Murdoch's right-hand man. And uh, we were partners in Brother Eddie together. But uh, the one I had the most fun with as an owner was a bitch called Tivoli Banara, which Charlie Gatt trained. Oh, yeah. And uh, she won over uh, 800 at Harold Park and 720 metres at uh, Wentworth Park. We had a lot of fun with her, and Charlie did a fantastic job with her. Yeah, nice. So you've had a bit of fun with them by the sounds of it. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, it's just been my whole life, really. Yep. Now, I know you've, you know, you've been doing this a long time and you've covered a lot of um, different topics and issues. What's been some of the, you know, the more, whether it's necessarily good or, or bad, but, you know, what's some of the more interesting or fascinating stories that you've covered in your time? Well, I, th- I think... Uh probably the the versatility of zoom top was was uh, uh spellbinding and i think she did a lot to to boost the popularity of greyhound racing when she was racing in the uh, the late 60s because she could win a, a top grade uh long distance race over 800 yards or 732 meters at harold park on saturday night yep. and 48 hours later she'd come to wentworth park and win the top grade sprint race uh <laughs> it's just unbelievable yeah. and uh there were reports heck the late heck was who trained her if she got beaten on the saturday night heck could be seen trialing her on sunday at russell russell's trial track trying to work <laughs> out why she got beaten the night before <laughs> so she was fantastic the, the worst uh the worst part undoubtedly was the the greyhound band that was yeah. going to be put on it was very stressful for everyone myself included but of course even more so for uh, people whose livelihood depended on it and um uh i uh, had uh, had a lot to do a little bit to do with with uh, getting it overturned i think i yeah. i uh, uh, I'd known Ray Hadley for many, many years. Ray launched my book at Wentworth Park when it was published, my memoirs, which was called Getting Paid to Drink and Gamble because <laughs> I was all, also the wine writer at the Telegraph and the restaurant reviewer. Uh, so I knew Ray pretty well and, and I knew he was passionate the, about the fact that greyhound racing shouldn't be banned. And uh, I also um, met up with... Alan Jones's pre, uh, former producer, John Wells, and uh, told him a lot of the stories about people, uh, anecdotes about people whose lives were just going to be unfairly disrupted yep. and, uh, and and hearts broken over this ban. And, uh, and John said, look, put all these in email form to me. Uh, Alan Jones will be all over this. And he, and he was because... Uh, one such story was a, a fellow won a race one night at Wentworth Park, and uh, I won't mention his name, but he, he it was well, he's still training. wasn't long ago, and uh, it was be- just before the ban. And I said, "Oh, uh, how long have you been, how how long have you been training?" He said, "Oh, only six months." And this is my first Wentworth Park starter. And I said, "How old are you?" He said, "82." <laughs> and, and I said, "Gee." You've got into the game late. And he said, he said, well, what happened? He said, uh, my wife and I had been childhood sweethearts. We'd been together for 60 years. Wow. And she passed away and I didn't want to live anymore. I was just sitting in front of the telly wishing I could hurry up and die. Uh, and he said, uh, my two sons or our two sons said, Dad, Mum wouldn't want you to carry on like this. You've got to find a, a hobby 
find out how you can get a greyhound. A couple of the blokes at the bowling club have got greyhounds. Ask them how you can get a greyhound. It'll get you out of the house. And there, that was the guy that he won a race at Wentworth Park with Aww. the first dog he had, That's training funny. it himself. And uh, I remember saying to uh, uh, to uh, John Wells, uh, who had the previous pro- uh, the former producer of of uh, Alan Jones, um, he's a man who's done nothing wrong, and yet they were going to just destroy his life yeah. uh, over this ban. So that was, you know, that, that was the worst part of that proposed ban. And thankfully, uh, with the support of a lot of people like like Ray Hadley, Alan Jones, but also yeah. uh, Warren Mundine and and uh, Miranda Devine at the at the Telegraph, uh, they campaigned hard against it, and it was overturned. Yeah. When, um, you know, because I can't remember how long it sort of went on from the time, it was a few months or something like that, but at, at what stage did you think, okay, we might have a because ch- I, you know, I thought we were gone for all money and, you know, that was it, but then once, you know, the media, you know, started ramping up about it and like you said, Alan Jones, Ray Hadley, et cetera, started campaigning for us, at what stage did you think, okay, we might actually have a chance here? Well, I was never... I was never overconfident um, uh, because they seemed uh, Baird kept saying this won't be overturned, this won't be overturned, and Troy Grant was uh, even more uh, uh, for the ban, and he was the racing minister. Yeah. Uh, but um, the I think one factor was when there was a front page story in the Telegraph where some of the bureaucrats that uh, were working for the bad government uh, said greyhound people aren't very intelligent uh, you've got to uh, talk to them in uh, short syllables and so on it was just so insulting and I thought I think this is going to that comments like that uh, from the inner sanctum of government uh, are, are really going to galvanize non-greyhound people again uh, 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 together and um, I, I wrote a letter at the time to my local, paper here, uh, the Weekly Times, and uh, I was out the front gardening one day and a lady walked down the street and said, you're Jeff Collison, aren't you? And I said, yeah. She said, that was a terrific article, uh, terrific letter you wrote to the local paper, and uh, uh, I don't know anything about greyhound racing, but uh, I'm all for the ban being overturned. It's just ridiculous. Yep, yep. I think there was a lot of people like that. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, what are we, five, six years down the track? What, um, you know, I know for me personally, I've seen, you know, the, the welfare side of things, you know, really um, really ramp up and the spotlight's sort of been shut on that and improving those processes. What's been some of the good things that you've seen, you know, essentially we did get a second chance and, yeah, what's, yes. what's been some of the good things that you've seen that have happened since then? Well, I think uh, the, the prize money... Uh, uh, being uh, so much better these days. Uh, I think Tony Mestrov has done a fantastic job. Yeah. Uh, I, I remember when he was appointed, uh, Ray Hadley contacted me and said, because uh, I, I said, Tony Mestrov, I said, he's a, a former manly front row forward. <laughs> and uh, Ray Hadley said, mate, he'll be good for the Greyhounds. He's a very smart man. And yeah. just tell the, tell the Greyhound people to give him a chance, give him time to settle in. I guarantee it, he'll be terrific for the sport, and he has been. Yeah. And prize money, prize money's uh, never been better. Uh, I was talking to um, someone at uh, up at Gunnedah not long ago, and 
he he went went uh, took three dogs to Gunnedah and came home with four and a half thousand prize money or something. Yeah. And he and he lives. He said, "How good is this? It's <laughs> ten minutes away from where I live." Uh, so so even people with with just average dogs and bush trainers with a, a small team or just uh, people who are working Monday to Friday and racing their dog on a Saturday, they can get a bit of prize money now. And I think that's that's the best thing that's happened. The Million Dollar Chase, of course, wonderful yeah. innovation. Yeah. Uh, when, when it was launched, uh, I know some people felt they would have been better off having a lot more races uh, for 100000 each. Uh, but the Million Dollar uh, uh, Carrot, that made a huge impact. And, uh, and talk, had everyone talking, garnered the sport so much publicity uh, that it was a very smart move and it's been a great, great innovation. Yep, and I've said this to a couple of people and I'm sure you would have been the same. Seeing seeing it being televised on, on mainstream media channels was something that I thought I would, um, would never see in my lifetime and it was just amazing, you know, to turn on Channel 9 and, and here's, our, here's our sport being broadcast. Yes, yes, fant- fantastic, great publicity, um, and uh, yeah, I've got uh, thanks to Ground Racing New South Wales. They've organised. I have a full page in the Sunday Telegraph every week, uh, which gives the sport coverage. Human interest stories. The human interest side. I've got a story in today about Sarah Easy, and I've yep. called her Ground Racing's Wonder Woman. <laughs> She's uh, got got three kids under eight, homeschooling two, yep. and uh, along with her partner Mitchell, uh, Mitchell Price. They're uh, looking after 50 grands as well, and she won a double uh, the other night. Uh, they're, they're great stories, and I think they give a lot of encouragement to people. I had a look at Facebook uh, this morning, and there's, there, there must be 100 uh, comments about about the story and congratulating Sarah, and, and they're, they're the sort of people that uh, really make this sport tick along. Yep. And going back to on the track, I know you mentioned Zoom Top before. Are there any sort of dogs that you've you've watched and, and covered over the years that sort of um, you know, sentimental to you? Uh, well, Rapid Journey was some all the the ones the Tent Hill Doll that have been really exciting to watch. Really, you know, champ absolute champions. But then there's been greyhounds like uh, Farah Flash who used to tail out. Ten lengths behind the field, and then seemed to know where the winning post was. She used to <laughs> sw- uh, swarm down the outside, and, and most of the time get the cash. But there's there's been some uh, fantastic dogs over the years. But uh, I think Zoom Top for versatility the best. Some wonderful sprinters, of course, Brother Fox, and uh, well, the list goes on and on. There's been some some beauties. And you know, probably my last question is, what um, you know, what's your favourite thing about the sport? You know, you know, like you said, you've been in it a long time, and you don't do something for that long unless you absolutely love it. What's um, yeah, what's your favourite thing about greyhound racing? Well, I think that well, the people, the people involved, and they love their they love their dogs, and greyhounds uh, live a life of luxury, uh, despite what. Uh, the antis would say yeah. uh, they love to run. They they hate being locked up. They get so excited when they go to the track. <laughs> so the people that have the greyhounds, uh, they're they're the thing I like most about the sport. But also the fact that 
anyone can go and and buy a greyhound. They're not too costly, uh, and and become a trainer, or you can form a little syndicate and and give a greyhound uh, to a trainer, and you can participate in the sport uh, as as an owner or as a, a an owner trainer. Yep. Whereas uh, thoroughbreds are so expensive, yeah. uh, and and uh, greyhounds are affordable to just the average person, and also uh, they're great health wise because. If you've got a pet dog and it's pouring rain and you wake up and hear the rain, you can go back and you say, oh, I won't walk him today. But if you've got a greyhound, you've got to get up and you've got to go out and walk them, hail rain or shine. Yep. So it's good for people's health. They're, they're a great, they're a great uh, innovation. Yep. Oh, look, thank you so much for your time. I've, you know, I've been following your stuff for, for many years and, um, yeah, hopefully I can catch up with you at the track soon when all this um, – Hopefully the COVID stuff settles down a bit. Yeah, let's hope so. I miss going to Wentworth Park yeah, a hell of a lot. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> no worries, Jeff. Thank you so okay. much for your time. Okay, Dimity. It's been a pleasure. Thank you so much. You've been listening to the Greyhound Girl Podcasts with Dimity Ma, proudly brought to you by Greyhound Performance Products. You can find them on Facebook or their website, greyhoundpp.com.au.